0: The scripture this morning is from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 11 through 13. It says, Let us therefore make every effort to enter that that rest, so that no one will perish by following their own example of disobedience. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Thank you, Jerome. If you were to ask me to name, let's say, 10 things that uh, I have problems with, I'd get to about number two and then I'd be distracted because number one would be I get distracted really easy. In fact, if you were to incorporate a rabbit into the room right now, I'd be off on the hunt. Probably Uh, been that way since I was a kid and struggled with it immensely. And what I've found in that struggle over time is that focus means everything to success. Remaining focused, remaining clear on what the objective is, means everything in success. And so this morning, what I want to try to do, and I'll try my best to do it, is to I want to speak to you from the Hebrews text, chapter four, and what God says to the Hebrews writer to us about staying focused on what is what it is that we're striving for. And that's someday that place of rest. I've had the passing of this life affect me quite a bit the last couple years. I've visited with others that have had the passing from this life affect them. And as you sit and as you as you as you view the family and you view what everyone's going through, you come to realize how important the end game to Christianity is. And that's to someday join God in heaven in that place of rest. This morning, I want to and what I think the Hebrew writer does is he talks to those of us who are trying to live our life out in working this great commission On what this looks like. What it looks like to remain faithful. The theme that jumps out to me is is for us as Christians not to get lost in what we're trying to do. But to keep our eyes focused on what God wants. To have a clear vision of what God wants for us. What He intends for us. Who He is to us. And in doing so... That is what connects us with faith and faith combined with hearing the gospel is what someday will be judged upon. It's not just hearing the gospel. Steve spoke to us this morning in Bible class about that. It's combining faith and the gospel that cuts to our deepest being of who we are and makes us who God is. Wants us to be the text in verse 11 that Jerome just read to us, asks us to do something that I think is, is somewhat difficult to do at times, but yet I believe it happens to us all the time. And that's that, you know, it's to review what the sin was and the feeling of sin that we we walked away from at our conversion to take a look, we ought to be able to see that clearly in the rearview mirror, not that we want to focus on that. But for some of us, it becomes an issue because we don't have to look in the rearview mirror. We can just look in the seat beside us. It's still writing there. And sometimes we can even feel the tangle that comes from still being tangled up in that. You know, I remember when I was converted by a a college minister that Jeanette and I worked with in Indiana. And he told me, he said, he said, Tony, he said, upon your conversion, your sins are going to be washed away. Your garments are going to be white as snow. It's going to be totally awesome. I guess I missed the fine print. You know, the part that he said throughout your life, you'll revisit that feeling from time to time. See, Satan, he's a master of taking the revisit that we have in our lives and and clouding our vision of what God wants for us. Who God is to us. Satan is a master of that. He knows how God created us. He'll use the things, he'll use the very strengths that God gave us to cloud our vision, to distract us from who he is and, and who he wants us to be. And who he wants us to be to the world around us. Point number one this morning I want to make is even Christians have difficulty not allowing our vision to be directed in the wrong direction. Right? That sounds like kind of a a maze, if you will. But even as Christians, folks, those of us that visit this place and celebrate once a week. Those of us who spend time in our Bible and spend time with each other, isn't it still at times difficult to remain focused on, on God in our vision and truly God? Not to be distracted by the things from the outside. Consider this for just a moment. God created us to be happy. When we're happy, that's a great feeling, isn't it? I mean, any of you like this being sad all the time? Gloomy? Dark? Dark? None of us like that. God created us to be happy. He created us to enjoy things like food, like friends, love, intimacy, excitement. God created us to enjoy such things. He created for those things to build us up and encourage us. Now, here's the problem. The problem with that is Satan knows that. And Satan will use those very things that God created us for to distract us from what God's vision is for us. And when this happens, it can be a terrible thing, especially in the life of a Christian, someone who's striving to get to that place of rest. I think there's a whole bunch of things that can happen, but I picked three this morning that I want to do on for just a minute is is first of all, I think a Christian can become frustrated with themselves and they can go back to that feeling of shame that gets them buried so deep that they can't get out of it. And church, here's here's a scary thing is I think sometimes we can pile on if we're not careful. And we can we can compress them down into that shame and hold them there if we aren't continually giving them the hope that comes from God, that comes from Christ and through Christ. The second thing that hap- I think we can become callous to sin. We can become a people that begins to look at sin as though it's, it's maybe less than what it is. I, I kind of call this the white lie syndrome, Right. Lying's lying. The way I was taught, lying's lying. I don't know about y'all, but when I was little, three things we got whipped for lying, cheating, stealing. There was no such thing as a white lie. Dad enjoyed that moment just like he enjoyed a big lie. We begin to become callous to what sin is. Oh, it's not really gossip. You know, I'm just telling everybody so they can pray about it. You know, I'm not, really, I'm not really going overboard. It's a fellowship meal. I should have all that, right? Obviously, you can see I like to deal with the food part of things. Getting less and less that way. But, you know, I think that can be just as much a sin in our life as anything. Well, you know, those are just pop-ups on my computer. I can't really do anything about them. Right? We become callous to what sin is to us and, and around us. And finally, in the end, we can begin to justify. I can't tell you how many times, church, I've, I've had people sit down and say, you know, I've been struggling this, with this for 25 years. I guess this is just the reason I need Jesus. What kind of price tag does that put on our Lord? When it comes to the point that, well, that's, I guess that's just why I need Jesus. It's just going to continue to happen over and over. Nothing I can do about it. Is the focus at that point on what or who God wants us to be? Or is that is that the attitude of a defeatist? Someone who's just broken down and defeated and suppressed. When we stood before God and we agreed to follow God, we, we agreed with God that we were sinners and that we were going to follow him. We didn't just agree with him. We joined with him. We joined with God that we needed His Son, Jesus. We needed His Son, Jesus, to lead us out of sin and one day reunite us with Him. So it wasn't, just, it wasn't just an agreement with God. It was joining with Him in the process. It was giving the value of Jesus Christ. The value that God intended for Him to have in our life. This is where the, the text in verse 12 says, Kind of massages out. And it comes into play. Well, the Bible leads us to a view of sinful nature. More importantly, the Bible leads us to an understanding of who we are to God through Jesus. This narrative, this story that we have, leads us to a deeper understanding, and our vision must be built by what the Word of God said. Jerry, Uh, introduced us to some of that ideology in the communion discussion this morning. Does this story, does the Bible mean to us what it should? Is it molding and forming us in the way that God intends for it to? Because that's the vision that God wants us to be able to grasp and have. So important to the message of Hebrews 4 and reaching for that place of rest that God ultimately wants us to have someday. The Hebrew writer teaches us that Christians are to spend less time confessing their sins and more time confessing him. Think about that for just a moment. You know, how much of our faith based time do we spend just trying to evaluate? Am I doing it right or am I doing it wrong? Am I living appropriately or inappropriately? Am I understanding this as it is to be understood or not? Compared to just how much time is spent just confessing Him, praising God, focusing on God, allowing God to fill us up, and then overflowing. In the, in the faith community, sometimes we get caught, so caught up in being right that we forget to get filled up. And I think we, we have to be careful of that. We don't want to be wrong. I'm not saying that, church. I'm just saying that if, if if we're constantly looking for all the things that we're doing wrong in our life and why, then are we missing the point just about who he is and what he is to the world and making sure the world knows that message? Consider this for just a moment. I I think that Hebrews chapter four kind of asks us to have a total Bible makeover now. I don't know about any of you. This certainly would apply in my life. Wouldn't you love to look out the door and see a whole army of people ready to just turn your house upside down and inside out? And when they get done, it looked like one of those really cool places on TV. Right. The total home makeover. I mean, maybe that doesn't work for you guys, but around our house, that's a constant like dream. We love that show. okay? because we think, man, if somebody showed up here and we could just sit back and watch them go. That would be awesome because there are all kinds of things that need fixed. I'd love love for my yard to look that way and all those things. That that total home makeover. Well, God wants us to kind of, in this sense, have a total Bible makeover. Think about this concept for just a second. I should never do that again or be like that again versus this is who God wants me to be. Or this is who I am. I am. To God. Think about those two viewpoints. One it seems like I'm looking an awful lot in the rear view mirror and getting caught up in what's behind me while the other it seems like I'm really focused on what is ahead and what God has in mind. I do believe that when we're baptized, when we're washed of our sin, that that's behind us. I believe that with all my heart. Brother Artrell Harris does a a sermon on this that he did it for our kids at, at uh, Youth in Action. And it was awesome. He had a windshield out of a car he kept holding up in a rearview mirror. I'm not quite sure how he did all that, but he mastered it. And it was just an awesome lesson about not getting caught up in the windshield. It, amen. You guys remember that? But it is so important for us to be able to see what God has in mind. For us ahead, the vision that God wants us to have, whether we're serving, whether we're worshiping, whether we're fellowshipping, whether it's it's a matter of we're playing our sports, however it is we're living in our culture, is he wants us to consider what it is that he wants, what it is that he desires, what it is that he needs the world to see and to hear from us. What if we could focus on that? What if that could be our dead set vision without any distractions? Hebrews chapter four says that if we keep that vision and we focus on God and we focus on what he wants, his purpose, that one day we'll enter the place of rest. Consider these two verses for just a minute. Turn your Bibles, if you would, to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four. And I'm going to read verses 20 through 24. That, however, is not. Paul Paul here reminds us, guys, that this it begins with what's in your mind and what's in your mind oftentimes does it not begin with a vision. It begins with what we what we view and what we see and what what we begin to mold from that becomes our mindset. And then we work toward that goal or toward that uh, the completion of that task. This is the idea of what God wants us to have as we live out this life. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Turn there with me real quick. We'll get another reminder. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. These verses teach us the idea that sharing our hearts involves spiritual transformation. It's not just a it's not just a feeling of what we what feels good to us or what makes us happy or even what the world Wants to hear, but it's a spiritual transformation to be focused on what God wants. Delivered and what God wants us to feel. And and the other thing here that I think verse one explains is a little bit about why we're going to need that place of rest. Because living in this world. Is spiritual warfare. And warfare is tough stuff, is it not? Not. Warfare is difficult. Warfare brings pain and agony, sweat. You know, the blood, sweat and tears. It's difficult. And that's why God says, look, get through this world and I've got a place for you to rest. Because we're going to need it. We're going to need it. The end game is to enter the place that God's prepared for us and to be judged by him. As faithful. We know from reading the Bible and studying the Bible that. There is there's no amount of things we can do to earn this. You're following me on this, right? I mean, what can you do to possibly pay someone back for the life of their son? You know, let's make a list. Number one, two, what what can we do? What can we possibly do for God? Nothing. But be faithful. Be faithful of the sacrifice. How many hours? How many hours of service? Of giving to others? Can you do to make up for the hours that Jesus hung on the cross and bled for us? How many hours can you give to make that worth it? You have to be faithful in God's message of salvation and his purpose in that message. There's there's not enough hours in the day, so we have to rest on being faithful and being determined and being focused. God will be pleased or displeased by whether we're able to have our vision fixed on him while sharing our love and our worship. While sharing our hearts, my message is this morning that we have to have vision. There's a lot of us guys that can go out and do totally wonderful and awesome things to everyone around us. And that's happening. I visited Friday afternoon with the grandmothers who write out cards. Just out of curiosity, any of you have been blessed by that ministry ever? You know, they, they find the things that are going on in the world around us and they write out cards. They pray together. They eat together. They fellowship with one another. They encourage and strengthen one another. As we go through these times, no matter what it is we're doing, we're to remain faithful. And, and these types of things help us stay that way. But more importantly, it's time with God and his word. It's his word mixing with faith that, that as, as this text says, it cuts to the morrow, to the bone, to the depth of who we are and what we are. I believe there's some ways that you can measure this, and, and I'm just going to touch on, on two or three here. The, the first thing is that what does it look like as we handle conflict? As we handle the, the, the harder things in our life, do we do we come out on the other end of that conflict with a, a, a loving, um, a, a complete and loving solution? Or do we struggle with that? Does our solutions look more like the world? Think about the way the world, the way our culture solves some conflict. And then think about the way God does in his word. Do we come out with more a godly outcome or, or more that that doesn't look Godly, that looks like more of the world. That's one thing that we can kind of step back and look at. Are we focused on God and focused on what God wants or, or is our outcomes looking more like what the world wants? What does it look like when we face disappointment? I read an article this week that said that um, one of the biggest challenges we have as parents right now is that we won't allow our kids to experience disappointment. Right. Um, everybody gets a trophy, right? Um, you know, nobody's a loser. And I get all that. Those, those, those are important messages to building up self-esteem. I, I get all this. But at the same time, isn't it important that they go through some disappointment while they're still children and learn how to handle it as an adult? The disappointment they encounter as a child It's going to it may have way less value than the disappointment that they encounter as an adult. And sometimes as they're working through it as a child. We can help them with that. We could love them through that. How how is it that we handle our disappointment? Do we teach our children to pray through disappointment? To look for God's will through disappointment? Disappointment? Is that the example we give them? Or what example do they see in us as adults when we're disappointed? What do we do? Have we taught them to pick up all their toys and not play anymore? Because that's a lot of the reaction children have today. We need to. That's a way that we can look at ourselves and kind of weigh things out. How would our political views change if we prayerfully considered what God's will is? in our life and in our attitudes towards things. I'm the least most political guy you ever met. In fact, I've thought millions of times about ditching Facebook because I hate politics. But at the same time I realize the importance of politics to our country, to our environment, and our culture. So I've I've been careful to begin to pray through some of my feelings in that realm. And I think sometimes as Christians, if we really look at what God wants, it will change our view. It'll change our political positions. And this is the final thought. How would the most personal parts of our lives and behaviors differ if we truly tapped into what God's desire is and had a vision of what God's desire is versus that of of the world or those around us or whatever else it is in our lives, our own happiness How would it change those most personal places and aspects of our lives? God desires for us to one day join him at rest to know him. Having served him and having worshipped him, having had a relationship with him that lifted us up out of sin and kept us focused on on him and what he wanted and kept us free from sin in our lives, that's. That's God's intention. I ask you today, do you have that vision? When we're going out as a church, as a as a, as a congregation in our service and our works, do we have hearts that are focused on God and what God wants? Or are we still kind of trying to search for that way we can kind of please ourselves and look for our own happiness, our own excitement and things like that? Because Satan church will use those things to deceive us. He understands that that's the way God created us. And so this vision and focus of God is so important. I hope the Hebrew writer has spoke to you this morning the way he spoke, the way he, 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 he spoke to me. Um, I hope that I I've done an adequate job at, 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 at casting this vision, if you will, that the Hebrew writer wants us to have. Because it is what the end game is all about. It's part of being faithful. It's having the right perspective. Do you have that today? If you do. Then I say, go forth and share it. Please go forth and share your vision of God. If you don't today, then you have an opportunity in song here, an invitation to come forward and to make that your vision, to begin to start a new makeover, if you will, to have a new vision going forward. And if you've had that vision and the bunnies run across the room. And all of a sudden you're off on the hunt, then come back. Let's all pray together. Let's find strength in one another. Let's bring each other back in this life so that one day we can go home and be with him. May God bless you this morning. May this word fall upon your heart. May if anything that's been said that's wrong. Not even touch an ear or touch a heart this morning, God. God, I love you. This family at Heartland loves you. Be with us, Lord, as we move forward in the name of Jesus, I pray and we all say.